Looking for a way to keep your kids safer online? Traditional monitoring tools can be time-consuming and can invade kids' privacy and trust. It's a huge pain for you, and let's face it, kids don't like it. Thankfully, there's a better way. Introducing Bark, the internet safety solution that parents trust and children like. Bark saves you from manually monitoring your child's activities, respecting your time and your child's privacy by only servicing potential concerns. Bark's affordable, award-winning service proactively monitors text messages, emails, and 24 different social media networks for potential safety concerns such as cyberbullying, internet predators, depression, self-harm, suicidal thoughts, sexting, or other inappropriate content so busy parents can save time and gain peace of mind. Plus, with Bark's screen time and web filtering feature, you can manage when your kids can access the internet and which sites are appropriate for them to visit. Listeners can try Bark for free for 30 days at ftnd.org forward slash Bark. That's ftnd.org forward slash Bark. Start protecting your family today with Bark, the smart way to keep kids safer online. My name is Garrett Johnson, and you're listening to Consider Before Consuming, a podcast by Fight the New Drug. And in case you're new here, Fight the New Drug is a non-religious and non-legislative organization that exists to provide individuals the opportunity to make an informed decision regarding pornography by raising awareness on its harmful effects using only science, facts, and personal accounts. We want these conversations to be educational, uplifting, and hopeful as we sit down with experts, influencers, activists, and people with personal accounts We cover a wide variety of topics that may be triggering to some. You can refer to the episode notes for a specific trigger warning. Listener discretion is advised. Today's episode is with Kristen Jensen, the founder and CEO of Defend Young Minds, an organization dedicated to empowering children to become resilient and screen smart. Kristen is also a mother and a grandmother so she knows how important it is to raise competent kids. During this conversation, we talk about when to start talking to your kids about pornography and how to most effectively navigate that discussion. With that being said, let's jump into the conversation. We hope you enjoy this episode of Consider Before Consuming. Well, Kristen, we appreciate you joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for being here. It's great to be with you, Garrett. We feel fortunate because I don't know if you know this, Kristen, but I also get to do some presentations. And one of the types of presentations that we do is we do like a community event where we go and speak to like junior highs, high schools and colleges. But then also in addition to those, we do a community event where parents and other caregivers from the community come. And I want to mention that during those community events, almost every time, I don't want to say every time, but almost every time they mention people in the audience without me prompting them, they mention your books. <laughs> Good pictures, bad pictures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's awesome. As I was preparing for the conversation, I realized that you live in Washington. Is that correct? Yep. And I was actually just in Washington. And again, people were mentioning you during the, the presentation. So. Oh, where were you? I was in Walla Walla. Oh, that's not far from where I am. Well, I should. I wish I'd known. I could have. I could have come out and seen you. <laughs> yeah, I wish I would have known. That would have been awesome. But yeah, we were in Walla Walla, and during the community event, again, someone was asking, uh, or I guess not asking, but they were suggesting that one of the resources they love using is 
good pitchers, bad pitchers, and good pitchers, bad pitchers, junior. So I, I just wanted to mention that because it's we feel fortunate to have you on the podcast, and I know that a lot of our listeners are going to benefit from your wisdom and knowledge. So thank you. Oh, it's great to be here. I think it's important for the listener to better understand who you are. And so I know that you have an undergrad in English, and you also got a master's degree. Is that correct? Yes, I have a master's degree in organizational communication, which is kind of a fancy way of saying training and development. So I learned how to develop training programs for adults in, in a corporate setting. I used that for a few years professionally, and then, uh, but it gave me actually a lot of good foundations in just how people learn. Right. So that's actually been helpful to me. That's awesome. And in addition to the academics that you've earned, those accomplishments, you've also raised children, and now you have grandchildren, is that correct? I do. I have two grandsons, uh, ages The oldest one is three going on four, and we've been reading him Good Pictures, Bad Pictures Jr. since he was two, so. That's awesome. And how how is it being a grandma? What's your favorite part? (laughs) Oh, what's my favorite part? It's just spoiling them and uh, then uh, giving them to their parents and going home and sleeping (laughs) through the night. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's, cliche answer, but it's the truth. I know, but it's so true. <laughs> yep. I feel the same way. I mean, I have kids and so I can, I, I, I hope to be a grandpa someday. Who knows if that will happen, but I hope to be. And I think that will be, I think I will agree with you. That will be the benefit. <laughs> well, it is wonderful. The wonderful thing about grandparents is that they have been through a lot of life experience And they no longer, they've kind of ripped off their rose-colored glasses. Yeah. And so many things that can happen have happened either to them or to their friends. And when it comes to pornography, so I, I didn't see this coming, but so many grandparents follow us and have bought the books for their kids. Yeah. To help their grandkids. And we get emails saying, I want to give this to my daughter. And how do I make sure that she reads it? And I'm like, well, you really can't. But, you know, you can just suggest and love them. And and so grandparents, and they're not, because there's a little bit of distance, they can see more objectively in some ways. Because as parents, I mean, I remember when my kids were young, I did not want to think that my kids could ever get, have any problems or, or get into any troubles because, of course, I was going to be the perfect parent. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, I was not the perfect parent. And um, the nice thing, so parents do have that responsibility to educate and raise their children, but grandparents can help. Yeah. And so it, it's nice when grandparents can be involved. Right. Well, that's really cool. And that's really cool that, yeah, a lot of grandparents from all over the world are buying your book. It's really awesome. Yeah. So speaking of caregivers, and there's many different types of caregivers. We've named a couple during this conversation. We talked about parenting and then grandparenting, but there's a lot of other types of caregivers out there. And they say that, you know the phrase, it takes a village. And 
I think that nowadays it takes more than a village. And what I mean by that is that it takes a village and a Google search for, you know, good pictures, bad pictures. And I say that tongue in cheek, but also it's based in reality that, yeah, that's the case, that it does take a village and it also does take a lot of good uh, tools and resources. And Defend Young Minds is definitely one of the people or one of the organizations, I should say, that are producing these tools to be utilized to help raise resilient, smart, competent kids. Right. Yeah, we we want to help parents. In fact, that's our tagline. <laughs> Empowered, resilient, screen smart kids. Yeah. That's that's the result we want. So, I have to ask the question, how did you end up authoring books? Well, I'll tell you, I actually never wanted to get involved in, you know, fighting pornography or anything like that. Uh it 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 just was one of those things. I mean, I'd heard about it. I had, you know, friends who were therapists and I knew about addiction. But one day after we moved uh, to Eastern Washington, I met a woman. She had a large family. She was homeschooling them because she wanted to protect them from, you know, the dangers out in the world. She herself had been a um, had been a victim or a survivor of sexual uh, abuse, and she didn't want that for her kids, so she wanted to protect them. But of course, they had the internet and uh, other influences, and their oldest son, they found out that he was uh, acting out sexually on his younger brothers and sisters, the 14-year-old all the way down to the 4-year-old. And one night we were talking and she told me about this sad story and the fallout from all of it. And I woke up the next morning and I just had this kind of pulsating thought in my brain. It was like, you know, how do you warn the young children? Because, you know, pornography had been involved in all of this. And I could see that young children were getting access to pornography and leading to some of these really bad outcomes. So I looked online. I thought, of course, there's a couple of books out there. And I could, I was looking for a book to give to her. Yeah. And I couldn't find it. And I'm like, what? It just didn't <laughs> this exist. Is, <laughs> yeah. This, this is such a problem. I knew it was a problem. And there are no books. So I just decided, hey, you know, I majored in English literature. Of course, I know how to write. And I'd, I'd done writing professionally, so why not? I started writing. The, I thought, I'll just write it over the summer. I'm sure we can do it. Uh, and so I worked on it, but it took three years. It oh, wasn't wow. actually as easy as I thought. I thought you were going to say you thought it would take a month, but then it only took like two days. <laughs> but it was the opposite. It took longer than you thought. Garrett, yeah, I wish I were that talented, but no. <laughs> I'm just average. <laughs> that's that's not true, and, but yeah. And I, and I took a lot of uh, people helping me. So if I have any genius at all, it's that I get people to help me. There we and go. And I crowdsource a lot of this and get a lot of input. I got friends to help me, and we tested it with parents. And then I take that feedback and do a major revision, and then we test it again, do a major revision. And then we gave ourselves a deadline because 
you can revise and revise and revise a book forever. Yeah. And you'll never get it and published. And never publish. So, that's <laughs> yeah. right. So at some well, point you have to just say, okay, it's going out there. And then we, as we have had more print runs, of course, every time we have a print run, we've revised it. We had a new edition come out a couple of years ago. So we have continued to improve it. And then a few years later, you know, we had parents ask us for a junior version for three-year-olds. And I was just shocked, to be honest. It wasn't even my idea. Mm-hmm. But it was parents of three-year-olds. Parents can see. Their kids are on iPads. Their kids are, you know, could potentially be exposed to some of this material. And they wanted to warn them and prepare them. So that was how we got Good Pictures, Bad Pictures Junior. Well, that's cool. Your team sent me both books and... I am going to utilize them. I've already utilized them. I actually have both of your books, but they sent me new copies. So it's the new edition, I guess. The newer, yeah. And I was excited about that and I'll continue to use those. And I guess the next question is like going from that, you wrote this book and then the follow-up book. At what point did you develop Defend Young Minds as an organization? So when I started writing the book, I had some writer friends that are like, well, Kristen, you don't, you have no credibility. Who's going to buy a book from you? And I'm like, well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> you have to start a blog and and get some, a following and get social media and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, oh. okay, so I started a blog. And you were going to laugh, Garrett, because I started it and I thought, well, what should I call my blog? And I thought, well, you really need to immunize kids you know, inoculate them against pornography by educating them so that when they see it and are exposed, they have a defense already set up, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I thought, okay, inoculate against porn. Pornoculation. That was what I called my first blog. And I had a, um, I have a cousin who's a very uh, highly paid uh, lawyer, and she took me aside at a family, you know, like Thanksgiving one year, and she said, Kristen, you have got to change your name. Pornoculation, that's, that's, that's just weird. You know, it's a terrible name. People pay me a lot of money for my advice, but I'm going to give you some free advice. Change that name. I'm like, well, what do I change it to? And she goes, I don't know. So I came up with Pornproof Kids. Okay. But then, and I used that for a while, and then um, we got somebody to help us actually he's a branding expert but he also does graphic design and he's the one that redesigned the book and and designed uh good pictures bad pictures jr uh evan mcdonald and he said to me one day he goes Kristen, i know you love your name porn proof kids but i'm gonna tell you you can't lead with a negative it's not good you got to come up with another name yeah And so our tagline included protect young minds, tips and tools to protect young minds. And one day it just kind of like popped out. We used that. Um, And protect is such a great word. It really resonates with parents. We all want to protect our kids. And I want to protect my grandkids. Right. Uh, and, And however, we got so many email saying, I tried to protect my child, but they still saw porn. I tried to protect them, but da, da, da. And we realized you can't actually build a fort around a kid. You can't raise them in a bubble, right. incite barriers, right? 
you need you can defend them and you can teach them digital defense skills but you can't just wall them off and we felt like protect was kind of more like walling them off and defend was more like what every parent can do no matter the outcome parents can defend their kids parents can teach their kids to defend themselves yeah and so we went with defend young minds um and rebranded and i love this new name i i really think it's empowering and without the expectation that i mean it's not if a child is going to be exposed to this material it's when and so it's kind of a battle out there, but kids can be taught to defend their minds and and their their, their mental uh, health, their well-being, and their futures by learning how to reject pornography. And there are three things that the books really provide, both of them, is a simple age-appropriate definition of pornography so they can recognize it. Mm-hmm. And second, you want kids to be able to understand the harms of pornography. So you need a warning and an explanation of the science and and your values, too, you know, that we don't hurt other people. We don't uh, encourage that. And uh, then three, a plan so they know exactly what to do when they see it. So... Uh, A definition, a warning, and a plan is so important, whether you use my books or not, in in raising children that have a defense against pornography. Yeah, I love that. I heard it said once, and I don't remember where I heard this, but it was someone said that, you know, we as parents and as caregivers, we want our kids to be safe. And there's like this internal debate of like, how do we go about that? How do we keep our kids safe? And you've kind of talked to that a little bit, like the difference between protect versus defend. And this person went on to say that there's nothing, so it's like safety or competence. And then the person went on to say there's nothing safer than being competent. That's wonderful. I think that kind of resonates with, it resonated with me. And I think it is also relevant to the conversation we're having right now when we're talking about the definition, the warning, the plan. And that's a part of being competent. Um, Absolutely. I think that... I love that. I might steal that. Can I steal that? you got to tell me who... If you find out who said it, tell me. Yeah, you can use it. Just, (laughs) I guess, use the same caveat I just used, which is... I don't know where this came from. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's... You know, I always say that the tendency for parents is to want to maintain a child's innocence. Or often, you know, that is the tendency and... Really, competence is much safer. I love that. Uh, It's much safer for a child to understand the dangers and to know how to keep themselves safe. An innocent child can be a very vulnerable child. Yeah. And in this day and age, where we can't really completely protect these kids... We need to be able to defend them and give them a defense. Yeah. I think that we can split this conversation up into two parts. And as I was preparing for the conversation, I noticed on your website, on the homepage, you have a little drop down and it kind of breaks this up into two parts as well. It's prepare and prevent and then help and heal. 
And I kind of wanted to break this conversation up into those two sections or in those two approaches, starting off with prepare and prevent. Prepare and prevent, I think that can be broken down into two categories and it's filtration and conversation. Like basically it comes down to when when we're talking about the harmful effects of pornography, the way that we prepare and prevent is through filtration and conversations. Do you agree with that? Does that sound like, is that a fair statement? Yeah, filtration or uh, when they get a little older, accountability mm-hmm. um, software or, or programs or apps. Yeah, I think that the conversations are great. However, within the conversations, it's it's good to to know where you're trying to go to, right? To understand all the topics that you need to consider and talk about, and that's why you know our articles and our blog. Uh, we really try to educate parents about, you know, how do you use YouTube safely, right? What mm-hmm. are the dangers of TikTok? What are the, you know, and, you know, what did, what did therapists say about, um, you know, should I ask my child, you know, if they've seen pornography to describe it for me? Or, should, you know, all kinds of things that 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 parents need information on, we write about those things and try to inform parents to have those conversations. And I've, uh, I remember one mom telling me that she uses the, our articles that get sent out and our emails that get sent out every week as kind of a prompt to talk to her kids about those things. Yeah. So a little uh, reminder, like, okay, and time for yeah. another conversation of some sort. Yeah. Cause there's a lot it's a complicated world and there's a lot out there and so, but you can't do it all at once and very few, you know, there's some good books out there. It's just, I don't know about you, Garrett, but I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time reading long books. Yeah. I, I do read them, but um, bite-sized pieces of information are great. Yeah. As we're talking about, you know, filtrations and, guided conversations. I wanted to give my observation about filtration. Filtration, obviously, it's great when we're talking about defending young minds. Filtration is great. But I think that sometimes people might rely too much on filtration and maybe not have enough guided conversation. Do you agree with that? Yes, I do. Putting a filter on is relatively easy. Having conversations can at least at the beginning, be a little um, daunting. Yeah. So, uh, but once you start, it's great. You actually build trust. I've had so many parents tell me that they have built trust with their kids when they have these conversations. These kids, I think kids understand. uh, And they like, they're flattered almost. They really love to be trusted I would say most kids, just from my own experience and some of the studies I've seen, when they see pornography, they don't go tell anybody if, unless they've been asked to, right? But most kids, they won't share that. They feel this kind of fear because they don't understand what they've seen. They don't have the vocabulary to describe it. So that's all about preparing and preventing, right? Yeah. We're not saying preventing exposure because, you know, with that, we, we just can't. It's, it's pretty much inevitable at this point in the world we live in right now. Right. But we can prevent them from being caught off guard. We can prevent them 
from being in a situation where they don't know what to do. Yeah. And we can prepare them with the tools and the skills and the conversations so they know exactly how to respond, right? So we need to make sure both boys and girls are prepared to recognize and reject pornography. Right. Can you talk to if there's any filtration softwares out there that you recommend or that you work with? Yeah, we have recently found a a new product called Canopy. Okay. And Canopy uses artificial intelligence to detect pornography. And you can kind of set the degrees at which, you know, you want it filtered, but... Do you guys have any type of deal with Canopy where our listeners can go to your website and, you know, get a free week trial or a free month trial or something like that? Uh, If you go into our articles and you type in, you know, search for Canopy, uh, we do have a code. So it's it's through the article about Canopy. Awesome. And um, yeah, so you can get 15% off for life, you know, so it, it is a good deal. Okay, great. Well, I'll try to find that link and then I will include that in the episode notes. So you've mentioned that Defend Young Minds focuses on children that are 13 and younger. And that kind of brings about the question, like, what is the best age to begin talking to a child about pornography? Yeah, that's a great question. And I get that a lot. So, yeah, I think as soon as your child has any access to the Internet, whether it's at your house, whether it could be, even if you feel like you've got everything locked down, they're going to visit friends, they're going to be at family members' homes, they're going to be at grandparent homes, and it's just ubiquitous. (laughs) Yeah. So it's important to start when they have any access at all to the Internet. What about for the caregivers that are concerned that talking about the harmful effects of pornography or educating on what healthy sexuality looks like, like what do you say to caregivers who think that those conversations are going to spike curiosity and therefore encourage kids to go search online for it? So my response to that is this. Your child is going to be curious. Your child lives in a world with constant sexual cues. And I don't believe that you can make them any more curious than media is already making them. However, you can err on one side or the other. You only really have two choices, right? Uh, You can have the cross your fingers plan. But that plan has been in use for decades, and it doesn't seem to be working. (laughs) So what's the other plan? We call it the Defend Young Minds plan, which is to prepare and prevent, which is to teach your children what pornography is, why it's harmful, and what to do when they see it. When, When you're a parent, you recognize that you can teach your child something, and they can choose to uh, make a different decision. (laughs) But at least in the back of their mind, they know. They know where you stand. They know what you've taught them. They've been given a warning. They've been given a heads up. And I have so many stories of children that 
when they're warned, they know how to respond and they do respond exactly according to plan. Uh, one nine-year-old, um, he was taught by his mom. He was read good pictures, bad pictures. Three days later, he went to school and a schoolmate on the playground pulled out a smartphone, which why a third grader, nine-year-old would have a smartphone, don't ask me, but he did. He pulled out the smartphone and showed his friend pornography, which we know this is happening a lot. And um, he saw that it was pornography. He turned away. You know, he recognized it. He went home and he told his mom what happened. And he said, Mom, I was scared, but I knew what to do. Yeah. So obviously the porn that he was shown was scary to him. You know, I was scared, but I knew what to do. Now, isn't that a wonderful gift so to cool. give your child? So That's amazing. In our house, we try to celebrate openness because it is such a beautiful thing that kids can come and talk to their caregivers. Right. You know, they come to you, and if your first reaction is to kind of blow a gasket and to either say, what? How, what? You know, or to, you're never going to play with that person again. Uh, I'm taking away your iPad. That's it. You know, whatever. Right. And actually, I, I don't believe in giving iPads to kids. I believe in giving them access to technology, not the technology, the device itself. Um, because once they feel like it's theirs, then they feel like they can set the rules. So, yeah, again, I... Just want to throw that in there. But this is one parent pointed this out to me when I was speaking one time. She said, you know, they'll give you a little bit. And then it then if you're trustworthy, if you kind of like, oh, okay, you know, if you don't freak out, then they'll come back, give you a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Then they'll give you a little bit more. The first time they talk to you about something, rarely is the whole story. Right. So you want to get the whole story, and it usually is bit by bit. Uh, you know, one time I had a friend call me. She was sobbing. I couldn't even understand what she was saying. And I, I, I finally said, do you need me to come over? And she goes, yes. So I went over there. I knocked at the door. She, she wasn't even answering the door. I pushed it open. I heard her sobbing from her master bathroom. <laughs> and I went in there and I just hugged her. And I'm, I was thinking her husband must have just... Right. Asked her something for a divorce something or something, terrible. you know, or whatever kids were hurt or something. But um, no, she found pornography on the 14-year-old on the iPad that the 14-year-old was using. And uh, she was going to go over to his school and pull him out of class and grab him and say, what were you doing? You know? Right. And what I... You know, a counseled her is to calm down. You can give yourself 24, 40, 48, 72 hours, you know, a couple days, a week if you need to. Yeah. Right? Don't, you don't have to react. Even if you found something or they told you something or, you know, you can have time. Take time to deal with your own emotions first and then you can deal with the situation. You can make a plan. You can figure out what kinds of questions, which we have a list of questions that need to be asked. And, you know, what do you need to ask them? What kind of information do you need to get? 
And how do you, you know, how do you go forward so that your child is strengthened and your relationship is strengthened and not harmed? Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I uh, read a book recently called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And the two, the first two habits, the first one is be proactive. And then the second one is begin with the end in mind. And speaking of being a parent, it's hit me more this year than ever before how little time we get with the children that we care for. And the reason why it hit me is because my eight-year-olds had eight birthdays and only 10 more birthdays and this kid's an adult all of a sudden. (laughs) And I'm like, wow, that is so little time. And so going back to that book of beginning with the end in mind, like we have to prepare our kids for the day that we're no longer over their entire life. I know. I used to tell my kids when they would complain about rules, I'd say, look, for this small amount of time, you're going to be living with us. And then you have your whole, and I'd stretch out my arm all the way out. And you have your whole rest of your life yep. as adults. And you can do anything you want. You can make any decision. But right now, I'm the mom. You know, we're the parents. And we have to have some rules here. But, you know, it's not actually for, you know, there's it's a fairly small part of your whole life. So don't worry, you'll, you know, you'll get the time when you can just make all the decisions you want to make. But yeah, and I think another thing that Stephen Covey says is to seek to understand. Yeah. Before you, you know, seek Seek, to be understood, right? Yep. And so that's another part of this, which is seek to understand, to listen before you react and, you know, lay down the law. Now, let me tell you, I've totally blown it many times when my kids were younger. So, you know, you have to have grace for yourself, right? And we have an article about how to recover. If you've blown up at your kid, how to recover, you know. So, um, you know, check that out. But there there are, um, you know, some really, there's some really great advice for how to deal. And I think... This also is actually part of preparing because if you prepare for that instance where either your kid comes to you and says, you know, Johnny showed me, you know, pornography on his iPad today, or um, I came across something while playing a game, or you find something, you find their history, or somehow you find out that they've been seeking it out, you know, you will be prepared in the very best way so that you can handle it in a way that's going to help your child and can, and keep your relationship intact and even strengthen it. Right. Well, I want to talk about addiction a little bit because I think that caregivers should be very aware of when to and when not to use the word addiction and kind of leave the diagnosis up to the professionals What's your opinion on that? Do you think that that word is sometimes overused? I believe that, yes, we have to be careful about labeling a child, you know, addicted. And uh, I feel like we have to be careful about that. But we also need to face the fact that it can become an addiction and uh, it, it can negatively impact, you know, their future. So... I think we owe it to our kids to warn them about addiction and to teach them how their brains work. That's why, 
in good pictures, bad pictures, the one for, you know, seven to 11 year olds, we talk about addiction. We talk about the thinking brain and the feeling brain and how it's important to keep the thinking brain in control and what happens when people develop an addiction. Yeah. So being that you're a leader in the safeguard Alliance of the national center on sexual exploitation, can you talk to ways that porn perpetuates sexual exploitation? Yes. Well, first of all, it's used to groom children so that, that it normalizes sexual exploitation so that you can more easily abuse them. And, uh, so that's one, one way that pornography is, uh, you know, involved in sexual exploitation. It, and obviously people who are being exploited, often they're being filmed during the rape or whatever, and they're posted on these tube sites or even, uh, social media sites. And, you know, that's another part of the exploitation. Uh, we don't, you know, I think once a child is 10, 11, 12, you definitely talk to them about this side. You know, I know Fight the New Drug has the, you know, brain heart world. And this is the world part where, you know, are we wanting to vote for that kind of, you know, exploitation of people? Do we want to, you know, because every time you click on a porn site, you're voting for sexual exploitation and everything that's involved in it. So, you know, we, we definitely, as kids get older, and when I talk, sometimes I, I talk about, you know, what are the, what's the messaging at each age that a child should, you know, be aware of? And that's definitely um, part of, you know, kids that are, you know, getting to be, you know, 11, 12, 13, they need to understand what's actually happening with pornography and how it's, it's exploiting people and it, and and it's teaching such an exploitive version of sex. You know, sex is not something that we do with someone we love and someone we want to, you know, have a trusting, committed relationship with and and uh no, it's exploitive. It's, you know, it's violent. And it's you know, I just saw an article about a study about choking and We've all heard stories about, you know, men that choke their dates and they wonder why, what's the problem? Isn't it, don't women like to be choked? <laughs> and, you know, that this is normalized yeah. with pornography. And so sexual harm and sexual exploitation is normalized by pornography. We don't want our kids accepting that. Yeah. And we've talked about your books We've talked a lot about defending young minds, but we haven't mentioned the new curriculum that you've put together, which is the brain defense curriculum. I think that as we're talking about exploitation and educating kids on that, we also need to talk about this, the brain defense curriculum that you guys have put together. Can you talk to what that is and how people can access it? Yeah. Well, first of all, when we we decided to develop this curriculum. We looked at a lot of prevention science and obviously the science of, you know, the brain as far as pornography and all that, but the prevention science, what actually reduces risk? How do you teach kids in a way that reduces risk 
Um, and we also, you know, looked at, you know, educational methodology and all that stuff. But um, so we used all of that to develop this program. And we like to think of it as driver's ed for the Internet. And no, your eight-year-old is not going to drive a car, mm-hmm. but your eight-year-old is driving a device. Right. Right. Do you want your child to be out on the, you know, internet superhighway where they can go wherever and talk to whomever um, and see whatever, you yeah. know? Uh, do you want them to go there without some, some training? And, you know, the answer really is no. You know, we need to... So if you were going to design, you know, a driver's ed for the internet, what would you want to include? And as we asked ourselves that, we came up with a fairly comprehensive curriculum that is taught in five lessons with 10 follow-up, like continue the conversation, um, mini lessons. And these lessons begin with talking to kids about screen safety. You know, how do you control your, we call it the three C's, right? Control your time because too much time on a screen leads to some you know, real uh, negative impacts, which we discuss in the in the curriculum. And then, you know, choose content wisely, right? Uh, we know that media affects behavior. And so make sure you're putting into your brain what, uh, you know, that you're careful what you're putting into your brain. And then, you know, create a balance between what you do, you know, digitally and in real life. And that is getting more and more blurred because most kids, they don't see that there's a difference. But we need to point it out that you want to interact with real people and do real things off of screens and have that balance between screen and, you know, non-screen activities. So that's one of the things we want to talk about Habits and how habits are formed in the brain and the, the neural connections, how addictions are created. Then, um, number three, we want to talk about pornography. We want to talk about what it is, why it's harmful, what to do when they see it, giving them those refusal skills and that practice. Um, and then finally, we need to teach kids to, you know, just be good digital citizens, right? to understand the importance of being honest, being the same person online and offline, you know, and and being kind and, uh, you know, anti-bullying and also to watch out for predators. Um, so all of this we put together, and it's not like a talking head video. It's fun. It's taught by um, the Brain Gang or six, uh, a set of diverse, you know, older peers they're teenagers that teach all of this they use real stories and humor that's cool it's very it can be very funny for the kids eight eight to eleven eight to twelve um and uh, of course i'm still a kid at heart so i laugh at all the jokes too but uh (laughs) we actually got to use um uh, his name is James Best. He is an Emmy-nominated uh, writer. He wrote for a lot of very popular children's programming. Now he does, you know, all kinds of, you know, <laughs> writing for, like, Super Bowl commercials and that oh, kind okay. of thing. 
But um, he rewrote our scripts and did a phenomenal job. Wow. So um, anyway, exciting. we just got so many great people in on this, and it's fun, and kids love it. They they remember it. They remember the stories, and they love the brain gang. And so it's just a fun way, and it's super easy. So it's like open and go, so there's a family version, and it's you honestly, you just – the video, we have a little script, play the video, have them do the workbook, and then you've got some activities to do, you know, for role play. And it's it's quick and it's simple, but it's something that can give you this kind of comprehensive uh, driver's ed for the Internet. Right. So, yeah, check out Brain Defense Digital Safety at braindefense.org or go to defendyourminds.com and... Um, and find us there to find brain defense. Well, it's all great information, Kristen. And being a person that is, you know, on the front lines with this, we appreciate your perspective and your insight. So thanks for joining us today. Before we end, we do want to leave you with the opportunity to have the last word during this conversation. Is there any last thoughts that you would like to share or something that's on your heart or mind that we haven't talked to yet? Well, I would just like to say that no child deserves to face the porn industry alone. They deserve to be taught and prepared and given the skills and the knowledge so that they can defend themselves. And sooner is safer. You know, hashtag sooner is safer. When we have kids that have, you know, any time on the internet, it can happen so quickly and in places or at times that you wouldn't expect. So that's why it's so important to take that first step to talking to your kids, to having these conversations. Of course, have your filters and your parental controls in place. We have lots of articles about those uh, products and, and those um, you know ways to do that easily on defendyoungminds.com. And um, just start, get started, help other people get started, share this information with your friends. You know, if you're a parent, then, or even if you're an older brother or sister, and maybe you weren't warned, you know, you can help warn your, you can help warn your, you know, younger brother or sister and help them be safer than you were. And so um, we can all, have a part in in defending the young minds that are in our circle of influence. And I just encourage you to take that first step. And uh, we've got lots of tools for you and information. And uh, the articles, you know, are free on Defend Young Minds. And we have also exclusive content that we give to our subscribers. So please subscribe. And um, we are here with you to help you every step of the way. Going back to that phrase, it takes a village. And uh, again, it takes a village and a Google search. But in this case, it's not even a, it doesn't even require a Google search because we're going to include the links in the episode notes. So we're making it even easier. <laughs> Super <But> easy. <laughs> we are grateful that you're part of our village, Kristen. And I'm so grateful to be uh uh, allied with Fight the New Drug, I kind of think of us as Fight the New Drugs 
little brother and sister, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, we feel the same level of gratitude. Thanks for, thanks for all you guys do. Thanks so much, Garrett. Take care. Talking about porn can be tricky. That's why we created an interactive conversation guide called Let's Talk About Porn. Simply select who you'd like to talk to, your partner, child, friends, parents, or even a stranger, and select the type of conversation you'd like to have. We'll walk you through a healthy way to approach this taboo topic in a productive conversation. Let's Talk About Porn is available for free, both in English and Spanish, so you can be prepared to talk when someone asks why you're listening to a podcast about the harms of porn. Access the guide and start talking at ftnd.org forward slash blueprint. That's ftnd.org forward slash blueprint. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Consider Before Consuming. Consider Before Consuming is brought to you by Fight the New Drug. Fight the New Drug is a non-religious and non-legislative organization that exists to provide individuals the opportunity to make an informed decision regarding pornography by raising awareness on its harmful effects using only science, facts, and personal accounts. If you want to learn more about today's guest and the conversation we had, you can check out the links included with this episode. Again, big thanks to you for listening to this conversation. As you go about your day, we invite you to increase your self-awareness, look both ways, check your blind spots, and consider before consuming.